Welcome to episode number 28 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are currently in a series entitled, Finances Need Prayer and Faith. Now that's an interesting topic, but as we go through it, I think we'll be able to show to you the significance and importance and the impact that our prayer life and our level of faith has on our finances. In this episode, I want to focus primarily on the impact worry and anxiety has in our daily financial activities. In order to do that, we need to to turn to our instructional manual, otherwise known as the Bible, to find out exactly what the Word of God has to say about how we deal with the worry and anxiety in our life. And I know that money seems to always be the number one thing people are concerned about. Now, if you're battling something physical, some particular illness that you've been diagnosed with or whatever, obviously that can take precedent. But even there, the issues of money seems to pop up because how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to be able to withstand the financial burden? We will all face various challenges in our finances, depending on what we're going through in our life. When we're single, it's one phase. When we get married, it's another phase. When we have children, there's another phase of financial challenges. When we go to work and maybe change jobs or change careers and move from one city to another city, it's just finances, finances, and finances over and over again are the challenges that we will face. So there's an answer to that, and there's an answer that we can find in the Word of God that is so particular to how to deal with financial challenges. You know, this entire episode, this, this these podcasts over the last few weeks and the next several weeks to come, we'll be talking about the significance that prayer and our faith has in dealing with our finances. Prayer and strong faith will carry us above the worry and the anxiety that we face many times day after day, week after week, month after month, and sometimes even year after year. So let's look into the Word of God in the book of Philippians, where the Apostle Paul is teaching us how to deal with challenges that we face in our life. That The topic in this word I'm reading talks about words of encouragement, and he's speaking to people who are struggling in Philippi. They're, they're struggling with their relationships, they're struggling with their finance, they're struggling with the, this, this stress of life and the challenges that are out there, some physical issues. And so he's basically tell them, telling them to heal their relationship problems, to, to, to find a way to restore good, healthy relationships. So the Apostle Paul gives some advice in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Kind of a way of saying, all right, now get your act together because God's going to come someday and we need to be prepared. We need to have all of our relationships healthy and working well. One of my favorite references in the Bible in dealing with people is where it says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And I think that's great advice for all of us. So let's see how we can receive peace in every area of our life, specifically in the area of, fi- of financial challenges. Paul goes on to write in verse 6 of chapter 4 in Philippians, and he says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then verse 7 says this, Then That's a very important word. The word then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. My primary focus today is are the words worry and anxiety that people have. 
remember in verse 6, Paul said, don't worry about anything. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that every single day you can spend 24 hours and not worry about anything? Now, that doesn't mean you don't have a little concern or you might have a question, but there's a big difference between a thought or a question or a concern or something you'd like to see get done. But the word worry is something that robs us of our faith. It, it robs us of the ability to be able to rise above the challenges of life. Some of you might be saying, well, that's impossible. You can't live life without worry. Well, I think you can. I think if you take that word to uh, at face value, and accept it and believe it. You know, this particular scripture, Philippians 4, 6, is one that I pray every single day of my life. Now you might say, really, you're kidding. I said, not, not at all. I, don't, I won't go to bed at night before I pray this scripture. Now, I, I like to pray the scriptures differently than maybe some people do. I like to pray it like it, it's, it's intended for me, which it is. It's also intended for you. So when I pray this scripture, Every night I say, Father, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that my wife and I don't have to worry about anything. You promised that in your word and I receive it in Jesus' name. And then I go on to say, and instead, Lord, my wife and I are going to have pray and will pray about everything. Now, there we are talking about the significance of prayer and also believing and having the significance of having the faith not to worry. Because worry will rob us from so much. It's such a detrimental thing in our life. For many, many years, we attended a church called Phoenix First Assembly, and Pastor Tommy Barnett was our pastor there, and he's still a very dear friend, and I still look at him as being my pastor because we still we attend the Dream City Church right now where he is pastoring with his son, Luke. So I like to be able to give you a reference here of how Pastor Tommy would tell us how he deals with worry. He'd be preaching up a storm, he'd say, you know, I've come up with a suggestion on how to deal with worry. He says, every time a worry comes up, I grab a piece of paper and I write down, I got to find some time to worry about that. And then something else would pop up and he'd just kind of say, well, I need to write that down. So here, I'll find some time to worry about that. And he says, at the end of the week, when I had all these lists of things that I needed to worry about, when I looked at it, he says, I found out that in reality, I don't have to worry about anything because all those things have been resolved. They're settled and God has taken care of them. Well, you know, that's not bad advice. I always kind of enjoyed it. And I also believe that's really what we're supposed to do is write down every day the things that God is going to keep us from worrying about. I don't have to worry about my health, even though, let me just say, even though I've been diagnosed with an incurable cancer, they say that it's there's no real cure out there for it. So all they can do is help me through various times. Matter of fact, five years ago, I was told they only had six months to live if the treatments weren't successful. Well, that was five years ago. And I know that God has healed me and I know that he's restored me. So why should I worry about it coming back? Why should I worry about every test that I get? Because they test it now. Now, every 90 days, you, you might be thinking, well, that means you must get anxious and worry about the results of that test every 90 days. And no, I really don't. I really don't. I'm trying to be honest with you. And the reason I don't, it's not that I'm some super Christian or some super spiritual giant or whatever. I just take this scripture for what it says. I believe that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't have to worry about anything. It says, instead, I can pray about everything. 
And then it says, it says, tell God what you need. Now, God wants to know. He really sincerely wants to know what we need. Now, he's obviously aware of what we need, but he still wants us to tell him. And the reason that he wants us to tell him is because he wants us to put our faith in him. There we go. We've got prayer being so vital to, to pray about everything and then telling God what we need and then having the faith to believe that God is able to meet that need. Now, let's switch over to just pure financial challenges. You know, most of us, if we're not careful, could worry about every single month whether we can make our house payment or not. We can worry about our job security. We can worry about our country and our nation and the economy that we have. We can put all those worries and all those things that, quite frankly, we don't have any control over. Why should we listen to the news every night, hear all these horrible reports about what's taking place in our country, all the immoral failures that we're facing, the financial challenges that we're facing, and at this time, all the money that our government is printing which is going to cause problems like inflation to come. It's going to cause jobs, security to be kind of weakened. There's just a whole lot of things that our country is facing, and it's not all very healthy. But you know, my source of financial blessing is in our government. It's not our country. It's not my president. It's not my congressman. It's not my senator. It's absolutely no one here on earth. It's not even my boss at work when I'm working for somebody else. My source of financial blessing comes from the Lord. He is my source, so therefore, I'm going to put him first. I'm going to pray to him first. I'm going to have faith in him first. I'm not going to have faith in my 401k. Yes, I have one. And yes, I've invested and I've done things to make myself financially okay. But but I, I don't like to think about putting my confidence in that 401k. Let me give you a little advice, a little story about some financial counseling that I got once. I remember when I decided to retire from my real estate development company and uh, sell out everything that we had and move into full-time ministry. It was going to be quite a financial change for us and quite a lifestyle change. And I, I guess my wife and I could have set up and worried every night because our income dropped about 90% from what I was used to be making to what I was going to be making as a pastor of a small uh, of a church, quite frankly. So with that in mind, I went to a financial counselor and I asked him for some direction and advice about how we can plan for the future and all those good things. And so he did a little write-up and then he sent me this letter. And he sent a letter that, quite frankly, it just quite, it irritated me. I'm just going to be right, very frank, frank with you. It irritated me because he said, our goal in life is to get as much as we can get and to keep it and to hang on to it. And our job is to make sure that you don't lose any of your finances because we know the number one goal that you have in life is to keep everything that you've got and, and let it build and let it build for, for you and for growth so that you'll be secure and you can be independently financially well off. Now, let me give you my thought on that. First of all, that's annoying because my job is not to hang on to everything I've got. My job is to receive what I have and bless my wife and myself and our family and also bless others that I need to give to others because when I give, I know it's going to come back pressed down, shaken together and running over. I know that when I tithe to my church that I'm going to get blessed financially and if I don't get blessed immediately financially, I'll get blessed in some other ways. It's interesting that when the economy seems to go down, my wife and I have never ever stopped giving the tithe to our church. We've always felt that that's the number one thing we've got to do in order to line up according to God's plan for our finances. The other part of this man's discussion dealing with keeping what we've got and basically hoarding all of the finances that we've had and just keeping it to ourselves. The other part that I didn't like is at the end when he says, because I want to help you become financially independent. Now, 
I don't particularly like that word because I believe in being dependent. I believe in being dependent upon God to supply my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I don't want to be independent of God. I don't want to be independent in working on my finances alone. I do not like that. I don't want self to rise up above what God has in in store for me. So a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety over our finances can be taken care of if we truly put our trust in the Lord. If we truly trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not on our own understanding, and always acknowledge Him, and it says He'll direct our path. He'll help us. He'll He'll guide us and He'll direct us. So now, with those words in mind, let's go back and look once again at what Paul said. You know, I think sometimes I need to read this thing over and over and over again so that it becomes a fixture in our life. It becomes embedded in our life, engraved in our mind so that we really know God's promises. Paul wrote these words to a group of people who are struggling with a lot of things in their life, a lot of anxiety, a lot of trouble, a lot of worry. And he wrote these words. He says, don't worry about anything. You say, okay, well then what should I do? He says, instead, there's a great word, instead pray about everything. Now I've already read these words. Let's read them again. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now there's crucial statement right there. We have got to always thank God for what he's done. Even if you're going through a financial challenge right now, in your prayer life, start off by thanking God for your health. If your health is bad, thank him for being with you and comforting you and taking you through things and thank him in advance for what he's going to do in your life. I think it's crucial that we understand to avoid being anxious and to avoid worrying about things, especially in the area of finances, we need to be thankful for what we have. When we left our real estate development company and went to work for the church and my income dropped by 90%, I told my wife, I said, well, there's going to be a few adjustments we're going to have to make here. And that's a, that's a, an understatement, but we made a, a tremendous amount of adjustments. And you know, they were fun. I, we, we sold our, our big expensive house that we had that was, exp- I say expensive, it was expensive to maintain with a pool and all that stuff. We had some cars where the maintenance was high on them. And we had a lifestyle that was kind of pricey, did a lot of traveling and all those things. But you know, none of that really meant anything anymore because God had called us into full-time ministry. And my wife and I decided that we would change our lifestyle, our, our, our way we lived, how we spent our money based upon this new 90% reduction in salary. And we took that small amount of money and we said, this is what we're going to live on. Now, you might say, well, you must have been rich and had lots of money in the bank. No, we really didn't. We had some land that we owned that was free and clear and someday it'd be worth some money, but I couldn't sell it. Nobody wanted to buy it. It it sat out in the desert around the Scottsdale area for many, many years and no one was interested. We tried to sell it. We put signs on it and all that. We prayed about it, but there was really no, no way that we could sell it. So we stepped into this position and we said, Lord, you've called us to do this. So now we're going to trust you. But we thank you in advance, Father, for all that you've done. And I like to add to that and for everything you're going to do. I like to pray, Lord, thank you that my wife and I don't have to worry. Thank you that we can pray about everything. Thank you that you want to hear our needs. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and and what you're going to do. And when we pray that way, when we think that way, when our prayer life and our faith expands in that area, I'm telling you, it's hard to worry. It's hard to be anxious about anything because you know that God is able to do exceedingly a abundantly above and beyond anything that we can ask or even think according to the power that's in us. That scripture that I just read is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Look it up. You'll be blessed by it.
Let's get back to what Paul was saying to the Philippian church in chapter 4, verse 8, after he talked about guarding our hearts and mind Christ Jesus. Remember verse 7. Let's go back to 7. Then you will experience God's peace. Boy, that's that's a subject all on its own. You know, as a pastor for some 20 years, as a Sunday school teacher for another 14 years, added to that, I've had a lot of opportunities to speak and to teach and instruct people. I was a teacher in the Arizona Community College System. That's a two-year college. And I taught banking, finance, and it was a lot of fun because I was teaching to adults who would go to school in the evenings. If they would get an A on their grade, the report that I would give them, they could go back to their employer and he would then reimburse them 100%. In many cases, businesses all over the valley were doing that. And I found it a real joy to speak. And I found people hungry to learn and people excited about learning. Then when I went into teaching adults in a Bible class at church, or Sunday school, whatever you want to call it, it was amazing. It was a wonderful time. But but it's interesting, through all of that area, through the community college system, through the banking business that I was in, through teaching in a, a church, adult classes, and then eventually to pastoring a church and bringing the Sunday morning messages to the entire congregation, there was one word that seemed to jump out that seemed to bother people. And that word was peace. I would ask them, are you at peace? Do you struggle with peace? And people had a difficult time dealing with the issues of having peace in their life. And you know, the reason we don't have peace, in my opinion, is because we worry and we don't bring things to God and we don't trust God or we basically don't feel that maybe God is going to bless us or take care of our need. But Paul's talking about that. He talks about worry in this. He talks about having faith to trust God. He talks about the the peace of God that we'll experience. So let me read verse 7 again. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We, We can't go on without talking a little bit about the words that were just said there. Paul understood the significance of peace. He understood that People would never be able to be free of worry and anxiety if they didn't have peace in their heart. So he went on to tell them that that you can receive God's peace. Now, God's peace is perfect peace. Now, while we're on earth, we can't experience perfect peace, but we will someday when we join Jesus in heaven. But I can tell you, we can have a peace that does pass all understanding. There's times we can have peace in the middle of trials and challenges where we just can't believe the peace that we can receive. And that peace comes from God because of a lack of fear and anxiety. So I remember again, I mentioned on the last episode, but I got to bring it up again. When I was diagnosed with incurable cancer, I didn't worry about it. And I, please don't look at me as super Christian or anything, but I really wasn't concerned about it because I just knew that God had a plan. He wasn't done with my life. He wasn't finished with me yet. And I knew that God wouldn't let me pass on until it was my time. And so I didn't think much about it. So when the doctor said, if, if these treatments don't work, you're probably not going to live more than six months. He said, all of your organs will fail and your body will just break down, shut down, and, and you'll be gone. And immediately, I, I please forgive me for using this reference again, but immediately I said, so let me get this straight. You're trying to scare me with heaven. Now, you see, we can have that kind of peace in the midst of trial, in the midst of a, a cancer diagnosis, a, a, a incurable cancer diagnosis. 
are in the midst of financial challenges. The time that the bank tried to close our church down, one bank took over the loans that we had and they didn't like banks. They didn't, I didn't like churches. Those banks didn't particularly want a church loans on their books. So they kind of manipulated things. They were very dishonest in my opinion. And they tried to close our church down and it, they didn't win. We, we won. God blessed us and he intervened. But through that whole situation, I just was not going to live in fear and anxiety because I knew that God was in charge and he was able to take the impossible and make it a possibility in my life. So listen to God's words. And, and if you're struggling with peace, if that's something that you're struggling with in your life, then take these words to heart and believe that, that God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, a lack of peace first starts in our mind the thoughts there the anxieties there the fears there and then all of a sudden it goes down to our heart when it does that it becomes a part of us so we want to guard our minds we want to guard our hearts but most importantly we need to trust god put up that wall that protective wall of peace around us that will take us through life's challenges paul goes on to write in verse 8 very very powerful thoughts here he says and now dear brothers and sisters one final thing it's kind of nice he says one final thing that's like the pastor that says and in closing and of course you know what that means when a pastor says in closing it means absolutely nothing he's going to keep on going so paul says one final thing but he's going to continue to talk here for quite a while and uh, write a whole a lot of other books after that but he says one final thought fix your thoughts on what is true wow fix your thoughts on what is true so in your life could i just ask you a question what is true in your life well truth is jesus truth is the word of god truth is relationship with the lord jesus christ a relationship with God the Father, and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's truth. So fix your thoughts on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Truth is His Word. So fix your thoughts on God's Word and be led by God's Word. Make sure that when you have a thought that pops up, that you fix your thoughts on those things. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Boy, that's some good stuff right there. If we can just fix our thoughts about our finances on, on what is true and what's honorable. So always do the right thing in our finances and what is right. Always do the right thing in our finances and what is pure. Always do, do those things that are that are pure and true and honest and faithful and lovely and, and admirable. And, and then he goes on to say, think about things that are excellent. So what great advice is that or whatever. He, he's telling us to think about positive stuff have a positive mindset. He's not talking about the power of positive thinking. What he's talking about is having your, your, your thoughts fixed on the Word of God, on the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the Holy Spirit and helping and guiding and directing us. So fix our thoughts on those things. And it says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, in your life, what's worthy of praise? God is. God's really worthy of praise. Uh, his son Jesus is worthy of praise. The Holy Spirit is worthy of praise. We, we go to church on Sunday and for the first 15 or 20 minutes or whatever your church does, what do you do? You you fix your thoughts upon the things that are worthy of praise. That's God the Father and God the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that's why we have worship in church. That's why we need to go to church. We need to be faithful to our local church because we, we can't sacrifice not being in attendance and not be in a fellowship with other believers. And it's, it's vital to keep in your life constant contact with the local church and be a part of that and know that God's going to richly bless you. The Apostle Paul continues in verse 9. He says, Keep 
putting into practice. That means you need to do it every day. All you learned and received from me. If we could just get out the, the Word of God and daily have certain verses that minister to us. When I counsel people, I always like to tell them or ask them, what is your favorite Bible verse? What verse really touches you and blesses you? And, and sadly, many times people can't think of a verse or they'll say, I, I'm not really sure. I, I, I know John 3.16 or I know a little bit about Romans 8.28 that all things you know work together and, and they'll just kind of sputter with that. But they don't have scriptures that bring them strength. They don't have uh, scriptures that, that keep putting them into practice all that they've learned and received from me. So we need to get some scriptures. Sometimes I, I believe in taking out a little three by five card, just a little old cardboard piece of paper there and write on it some scriptures that bless you, that scriptures that minister to you. There's times in our life when there's certain scriptures just really impact us. I remember when my wife and I decided it was time to go into ministry. We knew the Lord had called us. We decided to step down from our business to sell out and go into full-time ministry without a job, necessarily a job no guaranteed income. Matter of fact, the first year we worked for absolutely nothing and we just continued on and we we knew that God would bless us. But the thing that carried us through, at least for me, was Proverbs 3, 5, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. He'll, he'll guide you. He'll instruct us. Various translations say it different ways. But in reality, what it means is that trust in the Lord. Put our entire trust in him. That will remove anxiety and worry out of your finances. It really will. It, it, and it says there, and trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. One of the biggest enemies that we have as Christians is leaning on our own understanding. You see, I was an educated man. I was a man that had a wonderful business. I had banking experience. We had been very successful in our business. We had been successful in my banking career. So I had a lot of experience, a lot of training that was there. And I could have just sit there and thought and worried and thought and worried and thought this out and thought that out. But I decided not to lean on my own understanding because my own understanding could not tell me what was going to happen in the future. My understanding was, I don't know, how, how are we going to do this? And my understanding said, I, I really don't know, but I guess I just have to trust God. So I, I learned to, to trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding and all my ways, I acknowledge him. Now, once again, don't think that I've got all the answers, but I guess maybe I do have all the answers. They're found in the word of God. And so the answers are found in the word of God for each and every one of us. So I think in order to, to in dealing with your finances, when you're concerned about worry and anxiety and, and there's fear that breaks out and, and you don't have peace and all these things start beating you up, we need to go to the word of God. We need to go to church and fellowship with other believers, pray with other believers, be a part of a prayer group, be part of a small group, a small study group, find good teaching in a good local church. And good teaching means that they preach the entire word of God. They don't pick and choose what they like and don't like and throw certain things out and say, well, that isn't for today and all those things. They, they preach the entire word of God. A church that believes that people need to come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's not automatic. I can remember when I first went to church, I went to my pastor that I, that I had been going there for years. I won't say the denomination, but I told him I had gone to an evangelistic meeting. I went to a Billy Graham meeting and I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And he said, well, what, what do you mean? I said, well, now I know what you're talking about in the, in the Bible because I've been going to the church for years, but when I saw this pastor, my pastor, I said, but I went to this crusade and Billy Graham was there and he said, come just as you are and, and, and receive Jesus Christ. And I prayed that prayer. They called it the sinner's prayer and a prayer of repentance. And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And the, my pastor looked at me and he said, I don't understand what you're talking about. You've been saved all of your life. 
you know, it just broke my heart when he said that because I realized he didn't understand what it was to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, he was a good man. He's a great guy. And he preached a lot of really interesting things, but he didn't understand that salvation is not automatic. You've got to repent of your sins. We we need to realize that Jesus said there's only one way to the Father, and that's through him, that Jesus is the only way. And a church that preaches that is a church that you need to attend and, and, and believe that they preach the, the truth from God's word. And getting back to Philippians chapter 4, Paul wraps this whole thing up by saying, after you do these things, after you don't worry and, and you pray and you bring everything to God and you thank him in advance for all he's done and you fix your thoughts on what's good and true and perfect and you keep putting into practice what you've learned here. He says at the very end, he says, then the God of peace will be with you. So let me just pray. Father, I pray that the God of peace will be with each and every one of us. Those who are listening in to this podcast today, Father, would not be anxious for anything. They would bring everything to you through their prayers, petitions with thanksgiving, make their requests made known to you. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, Lord, will guard their heart and guard their mind in Christ Jesus. For I ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast on finances, that our finances need prayer and faith. So if you'd like to get more information on this, this you can subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to send any questions to me that you might have about things that I've talked about today, you can go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com and ask me a question there. And, and I have a place on there where if you'd like to sign up, I have a weekly newsletter that I'm putting out now to answer the questions that are called in on this podcast and to help people see how they can have a prosperous life, a successful life, one filled with peace and joy and happiness, and know that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that they can imagine or even think according to the power that lives within them. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you and may he give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. My next podcast is entitled Seeking God's Wisdom in Our Finances. May God richly bless you.